0: plushcare.com slash loss
1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Loom, speaking to you after witnessing one of the all-time Raptors meltdowns in Game 3 at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. First off, actually, uh, huge props to the uh, Philly fan base, I mean... You know, Brett Brown talked about how, uh, you know, the Sixers fans are going to be more loud than Raptors fans, and yeah, it wasn't even close. Uh, I don't. Uh, I mean, I know there are a lot of loud Raptors fans out there. Obviously, this this is fan base that doesn't lack for passion and would never question it. But uh, the people within the arena is a is a different story. Obviously, there are barriers to getting in, and um, and yeah, Philadelphia. Oh my God, I mean that that crowd was incredible. Uh, so the Raptors lost this game by a score of one sixteen to ninety five. But you know, really, it's the score doesn't really say anything about the game. Really, like what the Raptors really lost in this game was their dignity. They lost their composure, and and look, there's gonna be some rational basketball analysis at the end of this. There will be at the at the, at the end of this podcast. But I need at least like five to ten minutes just to sort of emotionally unpack what went on. And it sounds dramatic, but it's not. It's I promise you, it's not dramatic. This is. This was bad. This was really, really bad. I don't want to sound like that Stephen A. Smith gif, but like that's this is really what it was. It was, it was really bad. The Raptors. I mean, they they were just they looked incompetent. And again, they just the only way to describe it is that the Raptors mentally folded, right? And and you know. Forget all the basketball stuff for a minute. Just if you just look at it on paper, this same feeling of humiliation like this every single year, the Raptors have to go into the playoffs, regardless of the roster, and get humiliated. Right? Like, you just you look back on the previous years, and it's like the same pattern. Like, I, I know, look, the series obviously isn't over, it's only 2 1. I obviously, you know, you don't have to tell me that. Obviously, the Raptors have enough talent. I still believe the Raptors will win this series. I picked the Raptors in seven because I knew it was going to be a very tough series. Um, and you know, honestly, if the Raptors win the series, it probably will be have to be in seven. I don't see it happening in six games whatsoever, based on the way the Sixers are playing. But um, you know, you know, having said all that, right? Obviously, it's just two one. This is not like the Raptors got you know demolished by LeBron or whatever. But at the same time, this is the same feeling. This is a very familiar feeling. I know this feeling very well. I've I've had it many times. I know Raptors fans have had this many many times. And um, yeah, I mean, it it's. It's just sheer humiliation. Like you're just on national television, you're watching this team, you're you're buying into all of these narratives, and it's not even buying into narratives so much as you're buying into what you see throughout the course of the year, based on all the rational things that happen to this team, based on the actual tangible changes to the head coach, to the players, to the way they play, everything like that. Um you know, based on all of that. Uh, you, you, you believe that the Raptors are a different team. The Raptors are not facing LeBron anymore. It's, you know, it's the Sixers are very good. They're very talented. They got four guys who are kind of all-stars. Really one guy who's incredible. Another guy, Jimmy Butler, who's very good. Ben Simmons and, and, and Tobias Harris are selective talents. But, you know, and, and Reddick can also do some things as well. But, like, you know, this is not LeBron. And you just, you you you, you put all these reasons before you and you just think this is, this is an entirely different team. And... um, and, yeah, it's the same sort of humiliation. Like, it's it's Joel Embiid doing a windmill dunk on a bad knee, which is basically his equivalent of LeBron taking a sip courtside of beer or LeBron, you know, taking those little fadeaway jumpers just for fun or, you know, LeBron spinning the ball in Sarge's face. I mean, it, it happens every single year. The Raptors are back in the same spot. And, again, I, I know it's only 2-1, but this feeling, I know this exact feeling. I know it so well. The Raptors just got embarrassed, and I, I, I'm curious to see if the Raptors can bounce back from this. Um, you know, Game Four is going to be very telling, but holy crap, this was bad. This was this was such a bad performance, and it has all the and and the reason I know it's familiar because it has all the you know the the markings of a bad Raptors performance in the playoffs, right? Because you know you get Kyle Lowry passing up shots. You know, I don't want to put this on Kyle. I think Kyle needed to do more today, and he didn't um and he was very bad and he admitted that he needs to do a lot better but uh when you see Kyle Lowry passing up shots when you see Kyle Lowry, even when he does get shots just completely flub them miss open threes get blocked things like this you know it's bad it's bad and again I, I, I don't I don't want to question Kyle because he is the heart and soul of this team but if the heart and soul of this team gets punked in this way like how do the rest of the guys respond to that like Seriously, how do the rest of the guys respond to that? Because look, you look on the bench; the bench is just bad. Like every single player on the bench comes in and gives you negative performances, every single one, every single game. And you know it's just really on you know Kawhi and Pascal. I wrote after game, uh, I wrote after game two that the Raptors can't afford more bad games from Pascal. And this wasn't necessarily a bad game; like he had an okay game. But honestly, at this point, I absolutely need Pascal to be spectacular because. The rest of the team just just can't do anything. And you look at guys like Marcus Saul I mean, he just didn't. I mean, he was he he was more he was worse than Kyle Lauer in terms of passing up shots. Like worse than Kyle Lauer in terms of passing up shots. He would get into the post against Tobias Harris and not be able to score. Like in one on one coverage, yeah, a lot of times the, the Sixers would double, but sometimes they would just go, you know what? Let's just actually see if you can score. He couldn't. He can't. He can't. One thing I have a, a bit of a pet peeve with Marcus Saul Why doesn't he use the glass? Like why is every single shot a turnaround jumper? Like every he's within three feet, he'll take a jumper. Like really, you can't just put it up against the guy? But regardless, just Gasol not being there, Kyle not being there, Danny I even mean, he he did his thing, but you know he, he's he's a role player. What what else do you want him to do? Th- giving you thirteen points is is pretty good from from Danny Green, and he hit three threes early on to keep the Raptors in it. Um, but it's just it's just so bad watching this team and and capitulate in this way. It's. And quite, it's embarrassing. It's it's embarrassing to everybody. Like it's you know, you can't just go online anymore. Like you can't go on Twitter. You can't go on Reddit. You can't go wherever you know basketball is discussed. Really, you can't really be out there. You know, as a Raptor fan, I'm I'm hopping in an Uber to get home from the arena after watching this thing live, which was uh you know, just a glorious experience. But um. Yeah, you hop in the Uber and like the Uber driver is like a Sixer fan. He's like, "Yeah, so how was the game tonight?" And I'm just like, "Look, man, this is the last thing I want to talk about. Literally the last thing I want to talk about. I don't want to relive that." But um but yeah, the Raptors just got smoked. And and again, they they just they completely fell apart. Um, you know, and, and to be honest, I haven't even described the worst part about this loss is that of course, this is not just the same old Raptors team of old, right? This is um the team with Kawhi Leonard, and really, this whole season has sort of been not just that the Raptors are trying to, you know, get to the next level, but they're also trying to get to the next level so that they can, you know, hopefully impress and keep Kawhi Leonard, and look, you know, again, they're only down two on the series, they can come back, who knows, maybe we'll forget about this, but I find that hard to believe sometimes, I do find that hard to believe, because if you're Kawhi, all season, you sort of played as undisputedly the best player on this team, you know. But the rest of the team, when he sat out, they've been able to carry them, right? Like, you know, what's what's the statistic? Like, they were like uh, seventeen and five when when Kawhi sat out for whatever reason. You know, they they've they've been competent. You know, Pascal's had great games. You know, Kyle's had great games. Serge's had great games. You know, I mean, even Fred had great games. All that's forgotten now. All all that is forgotten now. Can't believe I'm even saying Fred had a good game. I mean, Fred, it's it's almost hard to believe that he could ever have a good game based on the way he played tonight. I mean, it was. You know he went from um, that zero point zero assist performance in game two in eighteen minutes, and somehow got even worse in this game. So I'll touch on that in a second. But um, but yeah, going back to the, the, the Kawhi point, right? Like th- so much of this season is about proving to Kawhi that the Raptors should, you know, be a worthy place for him to resign. It's a competitive team; they can get to where they need to go. They have all these players on the roster, and on paper, it looks great. I mean. If you look at this game, for example, Kawhi, and towards the end of the third quarter, the Raptors are down like 15, 16 points. And Kawhi just looks at the situation and goes, You know what? I gotta step up as a leader and I'm gonna give my team a boost. And so there's one play I distinctly remember him. You know, he he you know, he's dribbling the ball up top, he's directing traffic, he's clearing this lane so Danny Green can space the floor properly, going from the right to the left corner. Everyone's spaced out. He's going one on one, he's going to an attack and pick and roll, he's gonna shoot. He did a great job of that. I mean, he hit, like, a pull-up jumper, a three, another one where he's going one-on-three, and he sort of fades like MJ and hits that jumper. And then he makes a great defensive play, and then all of a sudden the Raptors go on a 2-on-1 break, and Kawhi throws it up to Pascal for a dunk. And it just – it honestly looked – it looked like Kawhi was going to at least keep the Raptors in the game. At that point, the Raptors were through three quarters. They were still – you know, they were still in the game. It was like a – it was an eight-point game after uh, after three quarters, and the Raptors actually won the third quarter. And so all of a sudden, the Sixers are doing all these things; that are rolling. The Raptors only down eight because of Kawhi and uh, Nick Nurse goes to the bench and says, "Look, listen, I need to give two minutes of rest, two minutes of rest for Kawhi Leonard. He just did us this great thing, he does great favor. He just brought us back into the game." just give him 2 minutes. And and you know, it I don't even want to blame there's nothing really to even blame Nick Nurse on because he brought in all the guys you want. If if Kawhi's out of the game, okay, so I expect Kyle to be in the game. I expect Marcus Aldeburr to be in the game. I expect Pascal to be in the game. All three of them are in the game. Right, they were in there with Fred and and uh and um and and Norm, but I mean, whatever, right? They were in the game. There's no who else do you want him to play? There's those are literally all the options that you could possibly play in that situation. They put all those guys in the game and what happens? Like and and I wrote this down just because I knew the Raptors were going to go on some sort of slide, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, if you look <laughs> – like, if you look, right, at just exactly what happened right afterwards, you have um, Kyle Lowry fouling Jimmy Butler, which led to two free throws. Pascal Siakam bricking an open three. Kyle Lowry then goes for a step back two off a broken possession, bricks that. Um On the ensuing possession, Joel Embiid hits a three right in Gasol's face. Then Norman Powell ends up settling for a bad jumper, pull-up two. Um, Late shot clock, Raptors couldn't get any offense going. Next play, Pascal Siagam goes to the rim, gets completely swallowed up by Joel Embiid at the basket. And then on the play, Embiid's trying to run back, and then, uh, you know, Pascal, very out of character, intentionally trips Joel Embiid. That gets reviewed. That's a flagrant one. They get two free throws out of it, and beat hits both free throws. And on that possession, because they get the ball back, Jimmy Butler drives straight past Marc Gasol as if he was a statue and goes in for a layup. And at that point, the crowd is going nuts. It's been like a minute thirty, and Nick Nurse has to call timeout and bring Kawhi back into the game. That's that's what that's the worst part about this, right? Because the stakes are not just the Raptors. Like for this season, it's for this season and beyond. Right. And 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 if you're Kawhi Leonard and you're sitting on the bench and you're watching this, you're saying, wow, (laughs) like what what else can I possibly do is you can't ask him to play 48 minutes. You know, you can't ask him to play 48 minutes and give you like, you know, that type of production. You can't ask him to score 60 points or something like that's that's unreasonable. You can't ask him to single handedly beat out four all stars. And that's basically the situation going on right now. And so, I mean, again. I don't want to look at the free agency. It's a little too far out for that. But, I mean, at the same time, if you're Kawhi, this this type of game has to stick with you. And if you look at the numbers throughout the series, this is according to Micah Adams of, uh, I believe, uh, yeah, ESPN. No, NBA.com, sorry. Raptors' offensive rating for the series with Kawhi on the floor, 110.7. That's really good. That's a really good offense. The Raptors are basically around that rate for the regular season. That's a good offense, an elite offense even, especially in the playoffs. That's right. That's with Kawhi on the floor in three games, 111. Shout out Yzmael. With Kawhi off the floor for this series, the Raptors' offensive rating is 54.1. Okay, so maybe some people aren't familiar with offensive rating. So um, think of it as like uh, – approximately equivalent to, like, points per 100 possessions. So, like, usually, like, 100 is about, like, 105 is about average. Um, Like, anything 100 or less, like, between, like, 90 and 100 is pretty bad. Anything under 90 is, like, horrendously, like, Chicago Bulls towards the end of the season playing offense through Robin Lopez level bad or New York Knicks tanking level bad. Raptors without Kawhi on the floor in the playoffs or in this series at 54.3. So, or says 54.1. It's, it, it's, it's bad, man. It's bad. I, honestly, like we had two off days after this. Raptors got to sink and just sit in this. Just sit in this embarrassment. Raptors not even practicing tomorrow, by the way. Not, no practice. Nothing. I mean, I, honestly, I could see the argument for no practice. But at the same time, I'd be pissed off as hell. As a player, as a coach, as an organization, I'd try to get back in the gym. Try to do everything possible to avoid getting embarrassed like this. No practice. All right. Whatever. It is what it is, right? Um, in terms of the actual basketball analysis, so uh, first off, I think you got to give Nick, uh, Brett Brown a lot of credit for the way he anticipated the Raptors' adjustments, right? Because obviously, you know, it's been discussed ad nauseum now, but in Game 2, Brett Brown changes up the defensive matchups by going with Joel Embiid on Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons on Kawhi Leonard, and then Tobias Harris on Marcus Saul, and also Jimmy Butler on Kyle Lowry. But... Uh, and of course, that worked really well. Raptors only scored like 89 points. Right. Um, so the Raptors spent all this time to talk about adjustments, 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 whatever. Brett Brown starts game three with the same matchups he had in game one. So the Raptors are completely out of sorts. They probably came up with a game plan. All right. So the twice is going to be on and on Gasol. So we're going to get the Gasol in the ball in the post like this. And then we're going to do this. We're going to have a whole plan. And then Brett Brown just looked at it and said, it's probably cute that you had a plan, but we're actually just going to put Embiid on Gasol for a while and, and completely blow that plan up. We know you're going to come in with something. Let's just throw you off completely. And for the rest of the game, you know, he went back to his Game 2 matchups. You know, he had Embiid on and Pascal, and that really didn't work out and, and for the Raptors and, and things like this. But, you know, it, it just put the Raptors in a hole early. It sort of got the crowd engaged. Again, like I said, the Philly crowd, incredible. Just an incredible crowd. They reacted after everything. It was super loud in there. Um, And, you know, the Raptors were kind of in a dogfight early on. Like, defensively, they just weren't quite there. Um, The Sixers scored 64 points by halftime. And even offensively, I mean, it's just, you know, the Raptors bench just wasn't quite there. I mean, you know, Nick Nurse did all the things you kind of expected him to do. Like, he was like, all right, so I'm going to mostly try to match, you know, Embiid's minutes with Gasol. And, you know, he took Gasol early in the game. There was still a short stretch of you know Ibaka on Embiid, but somehow that's sometimes that's just kind of unavoidable. For the most part, though, he tried to keep Gasol and Embiid. However, Embiid was a completely different you know factor in this game. Completely different, right? Like oh, I've I've, I've written this a couple times, but over the last uh, what eight times they met, Embiid never had more than sixteen points against Marcus Gasol. Embiid had double that tonight, uh, thirty-three, more than double, really. And early on, it was very early on, it was very apparent that this is not the Joel Embiid with a bad knee. This is not Joel Embiid with the, with, with the shits. This is Joel Embiid at full health going against the – he had 33 points in 28 minutes. Just complete dominance against a guy who, you know, has played great defense throughout his career. He has played great defense throughout this playoff series. But, I mean, early on, Embiid just took it to Gasol in a way where he was physically moving Gasol. And that's the one thing where, you know, Gasol maybe positionally and then, you know, um, you know, just in space, maybe not as quick as he was before, but he's still as strong. He's still able to hold his position. We saw that to great success in all the previous playoff games up until this one. But Embiid was literally just moving that man and putting him right under the basket, donking. It was it was bad. And then Embiid also had the jumper going as well. What Embiid hit what, three or four from three? Got to the free throw line. I mean, you know, the first, basically, interaction in the game. Mark, I I thought he got ball, uh, but, of course, I was also sitting, you know, in the the media gondola in in Philly, which is, honestly, it's like the sprite zone. So, couldn't exactly see. Uh, But on the replays, it looked like, you know, Gasol had swiped down and got the ball. Whatever. So, Embiid got that call, but... Just throughout the night and kept getting Casal to to jump, sort of even Gasol was out of character. And again, they man had thirty three points in twenty minutes. That's insane. And so with Embiid going, uh the Sixers' entire offense was going because everything else for the Sixers is kind of the same. Like, you know, Reddick having fifteen points is whatever. Ben Simmons having ten points is whatever. You know, Tobias Harris hasn't really been a factor in this series, really, but thirteen points for him is kind of usual. And and you know, it was just it was just Embiid going. And again, it's not just Embiid going, but I think the Sixers also figured out that, hey, look, listen, if we put Embiid in pick and roll, I think he's going to have an advantage against a guy like us all. Especially when you pair that pick and roll with a guy like Butler, who was very, very good tonight. I mean, it's funny because I, I I thought throughout the game, I was like, man, Jimmy Butler keeps going for these kill shots. These random pull-up threes to try to just bury the Raptors. And he kept missing those. And I was thinking, wow, Jimmy's not having a very efficient night. Look at the box score now. Jimmy Butler had 22 points on 9-15 shooting with nine rebounds and nine assists with three steals as well. And and him working pick and roll with Joel Embiid was just 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 carved the Raptors apart. Like the Raptors kind of they didn't have a good solution for it, you know. Jimmy um Jimmy's had a pretty good series. Game 1 aside, um you know, a lot of that has been him hitting contested shots over Danny Green whatever, but there's only so many things Danny Green can do defensively against Jimmy Butler. He's a great player. He's going to get a shots off. There's only so many things Pascal Siakam can do against Jimmy Butler. He's gonna get his shots off, and honestly, especially when they put him in pick and roll, I don't even know what you expect to do because Joel Embiid can get whatever he wants on his own. At least tonight, it could, and if, you, if that's the case going forward, the Raptors are they're kind of dead in the water to me. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, Jimmy Butler was 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 great in that series. He was just he, he's he's been, sorry, it he was great in that game. And, um, yeah, the Raptors, you know, defensively just weren't fully in it. Third quarter, the Raptors, eh, turn it on a little bit. But mostly it was that, that 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 Kawhi push that really helped them get to a point where it seemed like, okay, maybe the Raptors steal this game. Who knows? You know, they kind of composed themselves. But, again, in the fourth quarter, I'm like, my God, the offense was just completely stuck in the mud. It felt like the Raptors were stuck on, like, 84 points for, like, seven minutes straight. And it wasn't even just, like, the Raptors were were, you know – not able to score like they they just broke their offense like some of it was you know Kawhi deciding look the rest of these guys don't have it tonight whatever right but some of it was like they would run a nice action and then Marcus will have an open shot and then he'll be like no but I'll swing it and I was like what are you doing shoot that ball or like Kyle had the ball and I'll be like oh oh Kyle you're gonna shoot the ball nope he's gonna swing it any morning he did shoot he was gonna miss so what are you gonna do what are you gonna do and again the Raptors were just missing Sixers go the other way it was like a three-on-one fast break every single time you know, you got Butler scoring and, and cheering. You got Joel Embiid doing a windmill dunk. I'm serious, a windmill dunk on his bad knee. I mean, that, it's it. That's that's your LeBron callback right there. And um, remember when uh, Kyrie went off the glass to LeBron in like to start the 2016 <laughs> series? And I'm just like, yo, this is <laughs> this is this is very different than playing Lou Dang and Justice Winslow. Uh, in uh, in, against the Heat, this is it's very different territory, and honestly, Embiid was in that territory tonight. Ratic threes, you know, Ben Simmons doing his thing. By the way, Ben, uh, is a, a bit of a chippy game, so I already mentioned that Pascal tripped, you know, uh, Embiid. Pascal's very apologetic for it. I, I mean, this is very out of character. I think he was, everyone was frustrated on tonight, like, ever the Raptors lost their composure, and I think just in sort of the moment, got to Pascal, it was sort of just there, and um, you know it is what it is. By the way, the, on the, like the next possession, Pascal tried to dunk on Embiid. Like elevated, was like above like the um, the square on the rim, and, and Embiid still blocked him. Like it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in terms of demoralizing a guy, a guy gets up that high and you still block him. That's that's tough. But um, but yeah, there was that play, and then also there was a play that went. By the way, I, I couldn't believe this when it happened. I was just I was just screaming. But. Um, Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry got tangled up on a box. out. you know, uh, Simmons tried to jump over the top. Kyle, you know, stayed low. Uh, and you know, Simmons sort of fell over him. And then the two kind of fell on each other. But then Kyle was trying to run away from the play. And uh, Simmons elbowed him right in the dick. And um, yeah, there was no call. I mean, Kyle just laid on the floor there for a while as he would be after such a scenario. And um, and yeah, there was no review, nothing. Uh, even after timeouts, no review, nothing. Even after halftime, no review, nothing. I think chances are pretty good that uh, there will be a fine for Ben Simmons. There probably won't be a suspension, but uh so like I said, this is a real chippy game, really, really chippy game. The officiating, you know, it, it just wasn't. Uh, I, I don't know, it wasn't to anyone's satisfaction. But again, no one's gonna cry about officiating in a game like this. Like it's not about officiating; it's about the Raptors getting destroyed, destroyed, destroyed and embarrassed. Oh, by the way, um, Mike Scott also came back in this game. Uh, He hit the first three he looked at, he hit that. And then he hit another floater over after bumping out Kawhi Leonard. He hit a floater. So, you know, that makes me feel good. I mean, that's a noted Raptor killer right there. Mike Scott. And, uh, yeah, so he's back. That's cool. James Ennis continues to outplay anybody the Raptors bring off the bench. I mean, the Raptors bench, like, oh, yeah, this is where I got to go on the Raptors bench. So, look, I've talked about all the starters, you know, Kawhi, you know, Pascal, Mark, you know, Danny, Kyle. Uh, The bench. Serge Ibaka, like, I like Serge a lot. I really, really like Serge a lot. Like, I think he's, you know, sacrificed a lot this season. Um, Obviously, he came on this podcast. Uh But I just – I don't understand how a player with this much experience – I mean, we're talking about a guy that's gone to the finals, the Western Conference finals. He's been to the playoffs pretty much every single year of his career. Um. I don't understand how a guy with that much experience can get so sort of shook in a playoff game. Like, after all this time, he just... It's just... You could see it. Like, he makes one or two mistakes, and he's just out of it. Like, completely out of it. And, And he can't do anything. Like, today, for example, like, a simple pass from the point to the wing, right? The most basic thing. The Raptors do this a million times. Like, they never turn the ball over in this situation. But... It's just Serge trying to pass the ball to Kyle on the wing, and it gets picked off. He floats it. He gets, it gets picked off, and then the Sixers go the other way and score. And it's it's just things like that where you're just like, what is going on? Like, what what is going on? Like, how could it be that bad? Right? But, of course, you know, Serge wasn't even the worst bench guy today. The worst bench guy today was Fred Van VanVleet, who had one point that was off the technical free throw. Um... Forget what the tech was. Oh yeah, Ben Simmons uh, did a he he did the KG move by blocking a jumper after the whistle. I was after the third quarter whistle. Um, you know Pascal Siakam tried to, took a three after the whistle as, as most players do. Simmons hung, hung around and blocked it as most players do. And normally it's just whatever. It's fine, right? It's kind of accepted now. That's part of the NBA. Nope, Simmons got a tech for it. So I was like, oh, well, this is great. This is great. The Raptors are going to cut the lead back down to seven after you know Pascal has a free throw. This is going to be great. Or after Fred hits the free throws, it's been great. That was Fred's only point of the game. The rest of the game, he shot 0-7 from the field, 0-5 from, from three. Got, what, two rebounds, one assist, two fouls, uh, and a steal. Minus 10 in 21 minutes. Actually, it doesn't sound as bad as it was, but when you watch it back, the number of times his jumper was blocked, it, it was it was really, really hard to watch. Because, again, he's the smallest guy on the floor. He's smaller than Kyle. He's even smaller than J.J. Redick. He's just trying to take a regular jump shot, like a regular catch-and-shoot jumper, and he'll just get blocked by guys like James Ennis, by guys like Tobias Harris, like by basically anybody. Like, he can't get any separation whatsoever. And if he does that, whatever, it doesn't matter. He's going to get blocked. And then, you know, when he does get his open shots off, he's missing. Now, I can attest that Fred, as just as a pure shooter on this team, pretty good. Like, pretty good. Like, when you watch him warm-ups and stuff, and I know I'm talking about warm-ups or whatever, he's very, very good. He's got good rotation on the ball. He's, you can hit it from beyond the three-point arc. He's got good—he's a good shooter. In the playoffs, though, he has not been a good shooter whatsoever, and I don't know if it's the pressure getting to him. I don't know if he's rushing his shots because he's playing against bigger players, but it's bad. We, talk, we always talk about bigs who are, what, too defensively slow to play in the playoffs— um, you, I don't know why we don't talk enough about guards who are a little bit too small to succeed in the playoffs. Fred might be too small to succeed in the playoffs because it's tough. It's tough watching him in the 2 one guard matchup. The Raptors are just bleeding offensive rebounds like crazy. And it's weird because you always see, like, the final, like, for example, I thought the Raptors got, you know, destroyed in game two in the glass two. But the Raptors had the same number of offensive rebounds, nine, as the Sixers. And today, you know, when you look at it, it's Sixers won nine to eight. But it's like the second chance points kind of thing is just, you know, it just favors Philly. Like this the, the 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 Sixers got fifteen second chance points, the Raptors, three. That's that's a big chunk of why they won this game. But um but a lot of that is also because, you know, they got guys like Kyle guarding Jimmy Butler, which is what about seven inches in difference. And, you know, Van Vliet's actually guarding Tobias Harris a lot. That's probably his best matchup to be honest. Just guarding Tobias Harris, who's like legit 6'8". eight, so that's like what like almost you know, ten inches there. And uh, Raptor size across the board is just small, and that's one thing where you know, when OG, you know, went out with uh, after getting that appendectomy, um, you know, I said it's probably not gonna affect the magic, but it's gonna really hurt them in the Sixers series because the Sixers are big and they could the Raptors are just dying to bring any big wing off the bench. Like, Norm Powell at 6'4 is playing small forward against a team that's like massive, it's just it's not gonna go out well, it's not gonna go work out well. I mean, and you know, Norm played fine today, whatever, he did Norm things, you know, he hit. Two threes, so that makes him the leading score off the bench. I mean, it's a tough look, man. It's a real tough look. Uh, I don't feel like handing out three stars. Kawhi obviously is the only star, but that's about it. Literally everyone else. Well, Danny Green is okay. Uh, Everyone else kind of failed him. Everyone else failed him. Raptors three-point shooting fails them Again, 7 of 27 uh, from deep. Nick Nurse said prior to game three, um, that what the Raptors? They went back over the tape. They had like what twenty one uncontested threes, and he said if he can get those, he, he's praised to God that he can get those looks again. First off, the way you should really look at that is that's a complete missed opportunity game two because the Raptors had game two. I wouldn't feel so bad about this, right? It, look, it, whatever. Raptors are up two nothing. You expect the Sixers to respond. They bought the Raptors. You could feel kind of okay about that. You lose game two, then you lose game three in this fashion when you don't respond whatsoever. It feels terrible. It it looks really really bad, but um. But yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think it's really that appropriate to give three stars. I'm gonna give all three stars to Kawhi Leonard, who is phenomenal. I've really, really enjoyed watching him on the Raptors. Uh, he is just incredible as a player. He's having people aren't really taking this in. He's having one of the best playoff runs by any player, basically in NBA history. He's the most efficient uh, playoff score ever. And today, even with you know, the rest of the Raptors sucking. He's facing triple teams. He has 33 points on 13 22 shooting. He shoots two of four from three, hits five of five from the free throw line. He's getting you three offensive rebounds. Like he's he's doing his best out there. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's just, you know, it's not enough. But you know what? You, you at least you can get three stars. In terms of the Gerald Henderson Award, uh, I guess I'll give it to Ennis again. It's just annoying. and Quad <laughs> did have one failing today. It was him jumping twice at James Ennis, who I think got by him and scored twice. And uh Ennis just continues to be like a solid veteran, comes off the bench, gives the Sixers good defense, gives the Sixers uh a six man to actually, you know, use and, and spell their starters. The Raptors don't have that and so it's it's painfully obvious. And um and yeah, I mean Ennis just continues to give them solid looks. I'm very jealous that the Sixers have James Ennis and Mike Scotting and even Greg Monroe, which the Raptors, you know, they had him earlier in the season. Remember that? And uh, in terms of uh, the Patrick Patterson Award, I'm going to give that to the entire Raptors team outside of Kawhi Leonard. Yep, that's what it feels like. Because you you don't get Kyle Lowry so he can come in and give you Marcus Smart type production. You don't get Marcus Hall so that he can give you what, veteran presence, and just, just be a statue defensively. I mean, those two guys have to play better. And, look, that's the bottom line. The Raptors <laughs> the Raptors players in Kyle and, and Mark, you know, they've gone to uh, – they've, they've been able to take on lesser roles because Pascal's been so good and Kawhi's been so good. But they're finally facing a team in the Sixers that have so much talent that the Raptors actually need guys like Kyle and Mark to not just – Make value-add plays and then say, oh, you know, everyone looks too much at scoring. You know, we we, we out there, we're making great passes, playing great defense. Yeah, it's cool. But at some point, you got to score. And the two of them combining for 14 points is just, it's not enough. It's so, so much not enough from those two guys, right? Like, the Sixers got uh, 15 points out of J.J. Redick. And they got 14 points out of Kyle Lowry and, uh, and Gasol combined. J.J. Redick is, like, what? the fifth option on the Sixers starting lineup. Like, they run a lot of plays for him, but he doesn't get a lot of shots off. So he's he's like the fifth option. The fifth option got more points, Nakal and, and Marcus Gasol, who are making about 55, almost $60 million this year. You know, congratulations to them. But seriously, they they need these guys to provide more than just high IQ plays. Like, they literally need these guys to score. And right now, they're not doing that. And and, and Gasol's got it. I mean, Gasol's got Tobias Harris on him sometimes, and he can't do anything with it, so... It's tough. It's a tough look. It's a tough look, and uh, yeah, I mean, so the Raptors have what? There's like two days off, and then they play game four. So there's gonna be a lot of wallowing between now and then. Hopefully, you know, we can sort of step back and from the sort of just the carnage and sort of uh, sort of assess the situation rationally. But in the meantime, you just kind of have to soak in it. You just have to soak in it. It, it. it just it feels really bad. The Raptors should be different from this. I mean, every year the Raptors, you know, you don't know I mean like this is why teams. This is why people clown the Raptors. By the way. And I know people get very sensitive because in a, no one likes being clowned, right? But also you can kind of understand there's a lot of material that the Raptors give these people, right? Because what? 2014. Okay, that's, that's the first round. No one, no, one, no one really said anything about the Raptors since 2014. It was just, oh, this is a great season. Let's see what they do next. 2015, they come back. They are the higher seed. They have home court advantage. Uh, and then they get swept by Washington. That's really bad. That's that's really really bad. And that's when the stats first come out of like people tweeting out like you know Basketball Reference and it's like oh yeah the the worst true shooting percentages in the NBA playoffs are Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, and like I think Lou Williams was on that list at, the, at one point. And I was like oh well, those are the Raptors' three top scorers. Okay cool. So th- that that's that that's they're all on that list. That's cool. Then the Raptors are like you know what we're gonna reshape the team. We're gonna bring in star free agent Damari Carroll, who was very in, in demand at the time. I think Detroit also really won In retrospect, Detroit wanting a free agent that badly means you should not sign him. But, you know, whatever. So they get Damari Carroll. Then they get Corey Joseph. And They get, what, Bismarck Biombo. They get Louis Scola. And they kind of remake this team. They're, like, a little bit more veteran savvy. Everything works out greater. You know, Damar takes a big step in his development. Kyle sort of becomes a better three-point shooter. You know, also that Svelte season. And it was like, all right, we're back. We're Raptors. And they go to seven games against Indiana. It was... Not pretty, but at least they won. Okay, so you can't fully sign in them. Although they had some really bad moments, like Yama Himni was scoring twenty five points. That 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 really happened. Uh, and then they go seven games against the Heat. The Heat had like four good players, maybe, and no, no stars, nothing. Just four good players. You know, Hassan Weissler gets hurt. You know, JV got hurt too. But you know, those two guys go down. But it, it's we're talking like a team that goes to Justice Winslow, etc. And and they needed. They needed Bismack to be able to get like 26 rebounds, like break one of Hakeem Lajuan's records, and uh, and and come up with the incredible plays, just play out of his mind. He got 72 million from it from the Charlotte Hornets. So you know, congrats Charlotte. But you know, that was the player at that time was worth 72 million. So they got in seven games, and then you know they get destroyed by Cleveland, just destroyed. But you know, at the end they they made it six games. You know, Cleveland was hungover as hell in game three. They lost it. Game four it was kind of a dogfight. Raptors win. At 2-2, by the way, reminder, LeBron says, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I've been in many adverse situations in my life. This is not one of them. And then he proceeded to beat the Raptors. But about 50 combined points in games, you know, five and six. Game six, you know, Raptors getting destroyed. But at the end, the Raptors fans, you know, we're in the conference finals. People are clapping. It's great. That was a year, by the way, where the CBS tweeted out a poll and said, you know, who's going to win yeah uh, who's going to advance in the finals or something like that and they picked four teams and the fourth the fourth team wasn't the raptors it said other and it was like we the other kind of season and so the raptors won six jameson was it was valiant they, they fought valiantly whatever right and they lost to the eventual champions right and there's no shame in that whatsoever um and lebron was even saying you know like oh look look at these fans like they they're they're cheering so hard even though they they've lost like, they lost the series by 100 points or whatever the next season the raptors come back they're like, you know what? we got to get even better. we got to get real defensive players who can maybe make LeBron think twice. Let's get Serge Ibaka, who at the time was a highly sought-after player and you know had a great defensive reputation, and P.J. Tucker, who was, again, a, just a very good defender. Raptors, oh, we're very different. We're playing defense. The Raptors are like third in defensive rating after the All-Star break, right? They go to Milwaukee. They lose game one it's like, oh, my God, this is, this is so bad. The Raptors need six games and basically a miracle from Norman Powell to get past that series. But, okay, fine, whatever. They got past Giannis, whatever. Okay, let's, let's, let's see what they do against Cleveland. They get swept. They get swept so badly. And, you know, the Raptors had sworn they were different. They weren't different. And then the year after that, after getting swept, they say, okay, look, it's a culture change. We're going to go young. We're going to get this bench. And most importantly, we're going to play this different style of offense. That's going to be about team basketball, because the reason we lost to Cleveland was because we couldn't hit any threes. I think the Raptors got outscored like something like, I don't know, 93 to like 30 and threes or something like that. It was it was f- hilariously lopsided. So, you know, you know, they come back in 2018. They what, they win 59 games. It's a record. It's a record season. They got the bench mob. The markets all NBA. Dwayne Casey gets coach of the year. And they even go up 2-0 against the Wizards. And even though they lost games 3-4, and four, that, that first-round series, it felt fine. It was like, whatever. Okay, so Washington's kind of – at least they got talent. They're not really a respectable team, but they got talent. Their talent played well. And the Raptors just needed a couple extra games to beat them. It's fine. I, most people felt confident because, again, Cleveland, the team they were facing in the second round, they had needed seven games to go past Indiana. They needed LeBron to hit multiple game winners in that series to even get anything and Kevin Love was averaging like 13 points. And so it was like, okay, the Raptors got this. We finally got this. You got the you got the bench pop, got a new style of play. They got swept again. They got swept again. DeMar ends up losing that series. The last memory of DeMar as a Raptor is him clocking Jordan Clarkson and um and just getting ejected out of a game where the Raptors were getting swept. I think Kyle had like 7 points in that in that, that final game too. just just horrendous all around. You know, they're like, all right, fine. We're going to fire Dwayne Casey. We're going to trade DeMar DeRozan, the heart and soul of this team. We're going to trade him. We're going to trade him. And we're going to bring in Kawhi Leonard, who we know, out of all people in on on the earth, there are a couple players we know are going to play well in the playoffs, like LeBron, you know, like KD. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard, former Finals MVP. We bring him in. We bring in Danny Green, who also has performed in the playoffs before. And then later on, we bring in Marcus Saul, and you're like, "This is a different team." Pascal becomes a different player. Everything just makes sense. And then we're back here today. We're back here today, and we have the same feeling. And again, all this hubris, all this thing, and people saying Raps and Five, Raps and Four, like it just gives a lot of material. I mean, you know, me doing the slander pod, like I, just, you know, I regret that. Although at the time, I still stand by how I felt. But still, two games later, I now very much regret that. But, um this is this is the franchise this is literally the DNA of the franchise and sometimes it feels inescapable it feels like you can do everything you want you can rip out the entire foundation of this team and you're still gonna have this issue of in the playoffs you just you just sink you just sink and you have this this horrible feeling and honestly you know i've said this in previous podcasts like the only thing the thing that i actually want more out of anything else in this playoffs run from this specific playoff run is to not feel this type of embarrassment to just if the rappers lose losing your own merit lose a game like in game 2 where like okay fine whatever it's a close game you fight hard whatever you didn't no team really ran away with it and you lose this happens it's basketball it's sports things happen I, I'm a Liverpool fan I just watched them lose three to, nothing to Lionel Messi like it wasn't a game where it was three nothing but it really it was you know a brilliant player does some brilliant things so you can accept that you know they lost with pride the Raptors didn't lose with pride today, and the Raptors, they, they, this, this just happens to them. They get punked a lot, and so I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the rest of this series, that not only can the Raptors turn this game around, because again, you know, whatever, they win game four, all of a sudden it's 2-2, it's a new series, Raptors have a home court advantage. I get all that. All this, this whole podcast might sound as ridiculous as a slander pod. Who knows? But in the moment, this is how I feel, right? I hope not only for the Raptors to get back into the series... And win the series. And, and move on. And win the Eastern Conference. And, you know, they were going to lose to the Warriors. They're not going to beat the Warriors. Whatever. But um, I hope not only did they win that series. But I also just hope that they just don't embarrass themselves any further. Just don't embarrass yourselves. Like, I don't want to see Pascal tripping Joel Embiid because he's so frustrated he can't score on Embiid. Like, that that's just that's just not what we need as a fan base. As a franchise. And, um, and yeah, I just hope for better. So... Sorry, this was a very long-winded podcast. Uh, to be honest, talking this out just by myself has been very cathartic. I hope it's been the same for everyone else. And, again, I apologize if I'm coming on too strong in terms of just, you know, I'm knocking players too much and this and that. It's, it's really just about how I feel in the moment. And I think a lot of Raptors fans feel the same way about the game in the moment. It, this Anyone who watched this game, this was super disheartening. and The Sixers have all the momentum they have all the hubris and this is a very front-running type of team the sixers right if if you kick the sixers in the teeth i'm not really sure how they'll respond but if they're going ahead and beat celebrating butler celebrating simmons celebrating simmons is a jerk by the way um reddick i mean just a classic villain like this is a villainous team and villains are always front runners and so the raptors it's Game four, it's it's a must-win. It's a must-win. And a lot of factors are working against them. Like, the Sixers bench is playing better than their bench. And beats playing well against. Even Butler's giving them problems in the pick-and-roll. And the Raptors don't have anyone who can score, basically, on the Sixers, who are a very good defensive club. Raptors don't have any way, anybody who can score on the Sixers. The Raptors bench is trash. And also, Kyle Larry and Marcus are combined, mm, what, 68 years old? 67 years old? Yeah, so we were hoping for this 67-year-old 60, pairing to come on and give – wrapped with some scoring that's going to be better than Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. So okay, who, who knows if that happens, but I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals. You can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me
0: in a given month. Over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
1: But uh, that's that's the spot the Raptors are in. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, you know, hopefully the next one won't be as uh, despondent and as angry. But uh, you know that's really up to the Raptors. So thanks again to everyone for listening. And uh, I'll be back. Actually, I'll be back tomorrow with the podcast, sort of just to you know, probably talk to someone a little bit more calm and level-headed than me about sort of where the Raptors are right now. But uh, but yeah, thanks everyone for listening. I'll be back tomorrow. This is bad. This is really bad.